Broadcasting live from the ESPN 690 and Jar Levine Studios. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 with Brent Martineau and Austin Lane. I think I have to begin um, by acknowledging the fact that the virus has been unpredictable. Um, and that, you know, the course of it has not been a straight line. We've been surprised constantly. Um, with that caveat, I, I do think um, that we're on a good trajectory right now and, and that I'm hopeful that we will be able to get more and more fans um, into our ballparks as the season goes along and that, um, you know, later in the season we will get to full capacity in some places. It didn't sound like Rob Manfred, but I believe in the context, it's probably Rob Manfred. That's right. Rob Manfred. My I, gosh, I mean, that's, I, you know, I always thought I'd be really good at Wheel of hey, Fortune or something. Hey, Brent, the commissioner of baseball, this is the one that you'd be proud of? I don't think anybody, I, I mean, you weren't going to pull it. Listen, I can, I'm only relative to, to who I'm competing against. Yeah, well, dude, right I'm now, not listening because like... I'm watching the Brewers right now because Colton Wong is putting his name as leadoff player of the year. <laughs> he's he's already smitten himself. He's one for two today, and he scored a run, and now he's going for another one here. We'll see. Well, good luck to him. Uh... <laughs> right? I mean, <laughs> he's got some competition, let's just say. <laughs> I had somebody uh... – why am I drawing a blank now? <laughs> the dude from the uh, Acuna. I had somebody reach out to me and say, hey, what about Acuna? Never heard of him. Never heard of him? I'm kidding. For the Yeah, Brett, he, he's my MVP, so yeah, I've heard of him, but I'm saying yeah, as you lead have player both. of the year. Well, yeah, because, yeah. hey, it's more than just batting average, home runs, RBIs. It's about, you know, just how you look out there and what kind of team player you are. And Colton Wong's bringing it. Hey, uh, Roy Williams retires. I think. We, we, we think. don't know. Seriously. <laughs> yeah, we think. I don't know. I'm I mean, glad. Are you uh, so are you 100% sure that he's retired? Well, I'm going with it. Okay. I'm going to be suckered in here, but it's be- on ESPN updates. It's it's okay. Duke and Krzyzewski are, are saluting him, the rival up the road. Okay. Uh, it's I'm, I'm going with Roy Williams is done. Okay. Now now keep in mind this is the guy that wears like Jordans when he's coaching. So can you <laughs> trust him? Can you trust him wholeheartedly? Okay. He I don't know if you can touch trust those big time basketball coaches. <laughs> hey, not, I don't I don't <laughs> trust. Uh, how old is he? Like 70, 80? I think he's seventy. Yeah. With all due respect to Roy Williams, I don't trust an eighty year old dude who rocks Jordans when he's coaching. I just can't trust him. Sorry. Why? Wow, that's. I mean, what do you want him to wear? Sketchers? Well, no. I mean, maybe, <laughs> maybe n- n- New Balances. Oh, I, I don't know, Brent. Hey, do you know who else wear? And I'm not going to put him in the same category here. But you know, the other old guy that wears Jordans. Uh, other old guy that wears Jordans. All the time, and he wears Nike Dunks and all that stuff. And I, I don't trust him. Other old guy. It's not Shashevsky. Um, I don't know who. Robert Kraft. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. he does. Yeah. He does it looks all the a time. little silly on him too. Well, I'm just saying, man. Like Roy, like it's like the context of Robert Kraft wearing those shoes. It's, it's weird. Just odd. It's weird. <laughs> Be honest, it's weird. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, and, and you can't trust him. Kraft is <laughs> Kraft has really tried to stay young over the years too, in more <laughs> well, ways hey, than one. You know what though? Endless. <laughs> uh, at the end of the day, if you're like a billionaire, he's got to be a billionaire, right? Oh, Has gosh, to be. Yeah, yeah. yeah. If you're a billionaire, like, 
I, I guess who who am I to say you can't wear Jordans if you're a billionaire? I don't care if you're 90 years old, dude. Like, I, I guess if you got it, flaunt it. Why not? Yeah, no doubt. Yeah. Uh, I mean, they don't care. Like I said, man, I said this the other day. You get to an age where you don't care. They don't care that Austin Lane is maybe ripping on you for your Jordans and you're sure. 70. Sure. They don't care. They don't care what they say. They don't yeah. care what they do. I love that. Like yeah. I want to get to that point someday, and I'm nowhere near it. Roy Williams, I'm gonna, I'm going to say it like this, and it might surprise you. I'm glad he's retiring. Yeah. And and the reason I say it is a little twofold, and and I don't want this to come across the the wrong way. Listen, the guy's a legend, right? I mean, it's 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 coaches like this. I I am critical of coaching in college basketball and football sometimes because I think it's so ego-driven and it's all about the coach and it's so coach-centric that I think it takes away from, if you will, the student-athlete, as I use in quotes. But So I think there's it's problematic. It's it's made – it's given us some situations and issues that we're in, in today, um, and I think that's part of the root of it at times. So I have my criticisms, and Roy Williams would fit in that big-time coach category. But I also think it's these big-time coaching legends, because of the nature of it, that make up the, the beauty and the romanticism of NCAA basketball, you know, mm-hmm. and, and at times football, too. And so we like legends in sports. Roy Williams is in that category. I mean, what he's been able to do, that rivalry is unbelievable. I know they call it the greatest one. I'm a Red Sox guy, so Red Sox-Yankees would be for me. Everybody's got their own. Uh, but it's that good of a rivalry. It's something you want to go to. It's it's a bucket list item. So all that being said, I, I get to the point where I'm like, God, go enjoy retirement. You've done enough. You've made enough money. You don't need to still be doing this at 70. Go enjoy the family, the grandkids, the beach, the golf courses, whatever it is. Like, I really root for that for people. Yeah. You know? yeah. I root for that for myself someday. Okay? <laughs> like, I root for that for people. Like, he's done enough. But then there's also this part of me, Austin, that says, give somebody else a chance. You know, I'm, I'm kind of done. Uh, like, you guys have been so good. That's awesome. We've talked about you for decades. Great. But now go. <laughs> like, okay, Roy Williams. Okay, Shashevsky. Okay, Bayheim. Like, it's okay to go. And and bring in the next wave. I want to see the next wave. I want to see the new blood. And I'm ready for that, man. Like, I'm, if Shashevsky said tomorrow, I'm out. See ya. Like, next year, bye. Bayheim, it's coming. Like, that's okay. And, and I'm okay with that. Like, I, I respect what they've done. I respect how great they've been. But I'm also ready for the next wave. Like, we've talked about these guys for 30, 35, 40 years. What else can they do? What else more can we say about them? And I think it's time to turn it over in, in college basketball a little bit when you're talking about, again, I'll use quotes, the old guys. Yeah, but at the same time, like, we're not talking about athletes here. We're, we're talking about coaches. And there's plenty of room for young coaches, middle-aged coaches, older coaches in the landscape of collegiate basketball. So, like, whether it's it's Coach K or whether it's Roy Williams, like, I, I think, I mean, I, I don't want to say I want to see him hold on as long as possible because, I mean, yeah, eventually you gotta you got to move on with your life and do something else, and sometimes you just get behind the time. I think Roy Williams is still a great coach and everything. Um, but I guess I just kind of have a soft spot in my heart for the old school guys, you know, for the um, – you know, for like the last of a, of a dying breed type of guys. And, and Roy Williams, to me, fits that mold a little bit. So um, if it is indeed true, if it's not an April Fool's joke, because this could be the, the most epic April Fool's joke of all time yeah, because be. people are taking it hook, line, and sinker right now, and you heard it from me, I mean, I'm going to buy in for the sake of the conversation right now. But if I see April 2nd and all of a sudden it's like, whoa, you know, then I'm going to be a little upset. 
But until that time, um, happy trails to Roy Williams. You know, he's, he's one of the OGs, and, and I respect it. I think uh, here's what I do say, and, and I appreciate the efforts on these guys' part. Shashevsky uh, went from being, hey, anybody's going to come to Duke, and we're fine, and we're going to get the four-year student-athlete, and we're, we're going to get this guy who's, who's um, a great basketball player, but great student, all this stuff, right? They build everything at Duke, and North Carolina's uh, similar. But what changed is, well, then they started like watching Kentucky every year, one and done, yeah. right? And and Kansas, one and dones, or uh, I'm, I'm just throwing names out there, but you get my point. And so I think we've seen Krzyzewski have to adapt and change a little bit. Like, hey, man, this is a whole new world. we got to do something. It's much like Saban has done. Uh, can the basketball guys do it? And what I, I think we're learning here is that it's hard for them to do it. It's hard to do it because Duke has not been Duke. And North Carolina has been North Carolina the last few years. Yeah. And some of these blue bloods haven't been the blue bloods. They've been. I think the combination of that and the whether it's a scare tactic or the reality of these investigations that took place, and maybe the underbelly of that world has changed a little bit, um, has forced some of these blue bloods to not be great in recent years. And we're talking about not like not be great, not get to the elite eight or sweet sixteen. We're talking about not making the tournament. Like, that didn't happen for decades. So, um, you know, Saban was able to adapt quickly. You know, he said, hey, we're a defense. We're going to knock you in the mouth. We're going we're gonna to have really good players. We're going to run the football. We're going to run over you. We're going to tire you out. And he said, heck, no, man. Everybody's scoring at will. we got to go put up 50 a game. And he did it. Like, overnight, he was able to do it. I think Krzyzewski and, and, and Williams and those guys, they kind of caught on to the one-and-done stuff, but it really isn't their style, and it's not how they built it. And I think I think it's it's been a tougher adaptation for some of those guys. So even that would, if I were them, probably say, all right, it's time. Let's go. Yeah, I, I mean, I understand the, the landscape of, of college basketball, maybe more than any other um, collegiate sport has probably changed the most in, in terms of one and done and in terms of how re- recruiting is um, is handled and all that stuff. So I understand that. And, um, you know, if if you're Roy Williams and it's the fact that, hey, maybe you just got, you know, you're, you're tired, man. I mean, you've been doing it forever. You want to pursue other things. Like, I'm not going to fault you for that by any means. But I always, like, I always think of Roy Williams because and I forgot – what the st- didn't he give like everybody a hundred dollars? Yeah, or I think he did. Or it's, is it in his will? I, I can't remember how it I goes. I think you're right. I think it's he gave his all will. his former players in his will. Yeah, like maybe it's a hundred or five hundred dollars, or did something like that. Every former player. I think you're right about that. I think that is Roy Williams, and that's where very they can cool. get a yeah. They can get like a dinner. Is that him? I think it is him. Okay, yeah, yeah. So they can get dinner, which is cool. I mean, now, yeah, I mean, we're not going to Ruth Chris, obviously. Maybe, but that's fine. Maybe <laughs> well, he's Red Lobster. What? Maybe what, Brett? You've been Ruth Chris lately? Well, is it 100 or 500? I forget. I mean, if, maybe, <laughs> maybe, hey, maybe he left them 100 in like a, a Bitcoin or something like that. Yeah, uh, that, well, that's a good call. But, I mean, hey, Krzyzewski used to drop off donuts for all the crazies that waited in line for tickets. There you go. That's a good point. That's a good point. <laughs> now, listen, I, I don't want to take anything away from those guys. I think they certainly are legends. They're part of it, part of the fabric of the sport, that rivalry, which is college basketball in so many ways. Uh, so good for Roy Williams. But I'm also just not sad to see it flip. Uh, is really the moral of the story for me. And that happens to me in a lot of sports, right? It's it's like I, I'm a, I want the next group of folks coming in. I mean, they've had their, their turn now. Hand it off to somebody, and hopefully you find somebody. Like, who's going to be the next Roy Williams? Who's going to be the next Krzyzewski? I have no idea, but let's try to find them. 
Uh, and then, of course, now who takes over for Roy Williams and Chapel Hill will be a very interesting one to watch. Hey, let's get to the phone lines. This guy's been hanging for a long time. Uh, let's get to Stephen uh, here on Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. Hey, guys. How you doing? Doing good. How you doing? Doing pretty good. Uh, you guys uh, brought up the new rules and everything. I got an idea, and I want to swing it past you. And hopefully you guys enjoy the idea and talk to the powers that be and maybe bring it up. Uh, I think we should do something that, you know, is in hockey or and also in basketball. And that's the delay of game penalties. Uh, like when we got screwed with the Texans game, mind you, I understand we were trying to lose. But honestly, if they didn't get that free play, that we might have won that. And I mean, like some sort of buzzer or something that goes off when the delay a game because I've seen several games to where teams get screwed because somebody had a free play because the Zebras weren't paying attention. I mean, do you guys think we should go in a route of something like that? Because apparently they don't pay attention to the delay a game clock. Austin, take it away. So we're talking about how if the clock gets to zero, it's going to be an automatic penalty, right? Yeah, I think what he's talking a little bit, like sometimes there's that second or so. No, for sure. Right, where, and, and they've explained that on broadcast many a times. So, and I, I think we get so used to watching it on the TV, and so we think the officials are watching it like on the TV when it comes to the clock especially. got to remember, man, things are happening quickly. There's a lot going on down on the field. I, I don't think us as fans ever want to admit that, remember that, give the uh, zebras any credit for that but they always explain it to you on the broadcast like hey or, or the official now because there, there's every there's an official on like every broadcast they'll say yeah well they look up at the clock and as soon as the clock hits zero then they look to see if the ball is snapped so it's actually like you get another half a second or so um from the time that thing hits zero you know i, I don't know i the delay a game hasn't bothered me. I don't see it as being an epidemic in, in the sport. I just don't see any reason for much of a rule change there, Austin. Yeah, I mean, I can't think of, of too many games you know, that stick out to me. Obviously, the, the, the Jaguars-Texans game. Um, well, the Jaguars-Patriots game was the one. I mean, yeah. and, and they, but that was on them. Like, it was a delay a game, but it was a close one. Like, it was one of those type of situations. AFC Championship game, that's like one of the most under um, – rated plays or forgotten about plays of that game is that if they because remember uh Bortles were a great pass Mercedes Lewis great catch right before the half they would have gone in and scored probably at least a field goal before the half in that AFC title game I get on, on TV that there might be a little bit of a delay or a little bit of a difference but when it's all said and done I think that if the clock does strike zero then yeah that, that should be a penalty just like uh you know if you're in the NBA and there's a shot uh, there's like the shot clock and um you know it, it goes red on the board well then you know you go back and check out the replay like i think that's fair um i don't see why that would be a big deal of reviewing yeah i i I mean it would be fine i it would slow the game down even more and it's just such a um uh it's kind of like that's a great good word to say this to me it's almost like this um non-impactful rule Point being, if we didn't see the clock, like in high school football, and you you obviously remember this when you played, high school football, they don't have the clock. Okay. So in high school football, like the back judge, I think when it gets to like 10, puts his hands up, like a, a hand up in the air. I think that's how it works. And then at like five seconds, he'll start counting. 
like five, or or maybe even like almost like a basketball official, like I'm not a bounce play. And, and so you, because you don't see the clock visibly as a fan or a player, it's really up to that official whether it's going to be a delay of game or not. And to be honest with you, in high school, there's really no way to know if the guy was right or wrong. There's no sure. second guessing. But when we're talking about the NFL and if it's a playoff game, like it's not going to seem like a big deal until it's a big deal. Like I, I'm sure in the NBA, they're like, all right, it's not a big deal if you know it's like a split second off until it was a big deal one time. Yeah. Um, and then that changes the whole thing. So once again, I mean, like I, I don't know. I don't know how intricate it would be. I don't know how much you would slow the game down per se. Um, I don't know how many teams would you know cut it close every single game, saying, all right, was that you know delay a game or not? I'm not sure. But if it's going to be the difference between a team going to the playoffs or not, I mean, then you probably have to take a look at it a little bit. Yeah, um, I, I guess it would be fine. I'd get used to it. It's just another freaking thing to replay and look at and whatever. Uh, we hate human error. I get it. Um, the Here's the one thing. I want a 30 for 30 on this, Austin, or at least a good article, and maybe I should just do it. I still can't figure out, after watching the NFL all these years, why quarterbacks let it go all the way down to that time frame anyway? I understand sometimes a play doesn't get in, and this happens more in like college. You get a delay a game in college, it's because, well, the play didn't come in in time, you didn't get anybody lined up, someone's out of match. But like the Mannings of the world, the Bradys of the world, the, the, the Rodgers of the world, like I understand kind of why they'll get it to three, to two, to one. Well, one, you want to control the football. You keep your defense on the sideline. Two, you want to see as much as the defense will present so you know where to go with the football. I get it. But every time, like, it doesn't make sense to me because I feel like as a defender, and I don't know if you did this, as a defender, I would try to time that up because I know they're taking it down all the way to one second anyway. First of all, I can't believe you said that you're making 30 for 30 out of this. Yeah, I don't get Like, why does it have to go down to, like, 3, hey, 2, 1 every why time? Why does it have to be a 30 for 30 on ESPN, though? Like, because I want to know. Like, yeah. I want to know. I want a, interviews with Manning. I want interviews a, with Brady. I want interviews ESPN with offensive 30 coordinators. 30. Like, we're talking about, like, you know, great ones like the Dennis Rodman or, or like, the, the M. Michael Jordan or whatever. And also you're going to have, have, what if I told you that quarterbacks count down 30 seconds every single play? I Are want you it. kidding? Hey, no, I want it. It would be the worst ratings in the 30 for 30 history. Uh, Anyways. Uh, that, hey, that's up to the producer, man. you got to make it special. you got to make it good. you got to make it sure. sellable. Teasable. So, I mean, and under my impression, there's a few things here. Either you're looking at the defense, you're trying to get like the, the, the best play possible in terms of do you call out of it? You want to see what kind of um, you know zone or whatever they're playing. Um, maybe you're trying to take some clock off because maybe you're trying to pound the rock and win the game. Like There's, there's a couple reasons why uh, players could let it run down. I mean, if you're playing the Kansas City Chiefs, you're trying to get in a track meet, you're trying to slow the game down a little bit. I'd probably try to slow the game down a little bit. Yeah, it makes, like I said, I kind of get it. I just don't understand it every time. Like, I would mix it up. I think I'd keep the defense on the heels if I mix it up more often than just going every single time, three, two, one, snap it. Yeah, I mean... Yeah. <laughs> I want answers. I, I, don't, I don't know what you want me to tell you, man. I just gave you a couple I of want them. you to agree with me. I, but you hate it. I mean, I don't know like if any team does that every single game, though. Like, I don't know any quarterback that does that. I don't know. Is that a thing? Yes, it is a thing. Like, it happens all the time. All the time. Like, that clock goes down. Okay. Well, and then they'll I'm, be I'm like gonna, the one time when I'm they should have ran the right, clock down, okay. and they don't. I'm going to tell you right now. <laughs> the, the, and I'm making a note of this right now. The, the first NFL game I watch, I better see the clock being ran down to zero every single time or I'm going to be upset. Because I haven't noticed it, I guess. I guess we're taking a break. 
run the play clock all the way down to three, two, one on this music bed as we head to break. We got shock your mock on the way. We got to give a shout out to a, a Twitter follower here. I like your exchange you just had. Yeah, he he just uh, passed up the queue for shock your mock. He's going tomorrow. Yeah, that's a hey, because it's a good way to out. get in. He checks out. Good, it's a good way to get in. Yeah, we're, we're talking anime tomorrow. I can't wait. Oh boy. Yeah, uh, you know, yeah, yeah. We talk golf sometimes, so you know, sometimes. what do you do? Uh, it's been, yeah, sometimes. Oh, I do. Have, we have to do talk some USC today too. I, I want. I, I still can't fully comprehend why this ticket is so hot. I mean, do you want to talk about it? Like, I can sum it up in twenty seconds, or do you want to try to extend it out for the sake of the show? Yeah, I don't want the answer right now. Okay. So if it lasts okay. 20 seconds, fine. If it lasts 20 okay. minutes, fine. Okay. I'll be the judge of that. Okay, I got I you. I might have really good questions for you. Okay, good okay. debate. You okay. Know? You think you have all the answers. You didn't have the 3-2-1 answer. Here they go. The music bed's about to run out. 3-2-1. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 69. We'll be right back. Live from Bartram Trail High School. Shock your mock up next. Brent Martineau. It's a, it's, there's three islands, and it can be very nice and lucrative, by the way. You could be a huge winner, but you could be a huge loser, too. You might not have a boat to get home. Austin Lane. Well, I like that now. I love that analogy. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. I think he is. I really do. And and I say that because I think he the, his feeling and instinct inside the pocket, his ability to move and create and extend, and then his ability to throw off platform. You know, you saw, everyone saw the pro day throw rolling to his left. I've seen a hundred different throws that he's made over the last couple of years where he's, he's forced out of the pocket, but he keeps his eyes downfield. He's off balance. He changes, changes his arm angle and he throws a, a perfect strike down the field. And if you look at him statistically and, and even from the analytics, you know, versus pressure versus the blitz and on 21 plus yard throws down the field, He's second in all three of those categories of this year's quarterback class behind Mac Jones. Come on, Austin. You got this one. I'm rooting for you, man. I wasn't paying attention, man. My bad. My gosh. That's part of the problem you have in this game. Yeah. Stop eating. I Hey, <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm hungry, so I'm going to eat, man. That was Todd McShay. Talking uh, about Zach Wilson. That's your, uh, that's your homie. That's my homie. That's right. I yeah. chased him down at the Trevor Lawrence Pro Day. That's Drove right. all the way to Clemson to talk to Todd McShay. <laughs> like, like you couldn't just do hey. that over uh, some kind of Zoom interview. Hey, Steve Smith Jr. as well, senior as well. There you go. There <laughs> you talk go. to Junior. Yeah. <laughs> Steve Smith Senior. Uh, hey, uh, we got some baseball scores. Major League Baseball opening day, so we came out to a baseball field. A little windy out here in St. John's County. Bartram Trail Creekside playing back-to-back nights. Got uh, some Bartram Trail softball over there as well. So a little rivalry down here in St. John's County. And uh, we're out at the ball field. Got to love it. Uh, really nice day. Just a little breezy, as you can hear it. Uh, Pirates leading the Cubs 4-2 to two in the fifth. Twins over the Brewers 3-1 to one in the fifth. Plenty of time. Awesome. Plenty of time. Not worried uh, about Phillies it. Phillies over the Braves 2 to nothing in the fourth. Dodgers and Rockies just underway. We have our first winner of 2021 Major League Baseball season. That is the Tigers beat the Indians 3-2. to two. Mickey, Mickey Cabrera, still hitting home runs. Did you see that? He hit it, and, like, it was snowing, like, snowing, snowing, like a blizzard. <laughs> yeah, I did see that. It's insane. <laughs> I mean, that is nuts. I told you the story. I did play. Somebody said, I said, hey, ever played in the snow? I said, uh, I played in Saginaw Valley, Saginaw Valley State, Saginaw, Michigan. 
and we played a game, and it, by the end of it, it was like an inch and a half of snow on the ground, like legit. Yeah. Uh, and and we we had to get that game in because there were no makeups, man. You played on the weekend or you didn't. You went home and didn't play the game, so we snuck that one in. Uh, that was pretty memorable. But I didn't. I won't want to do it again. Uh, the Yankees in Toronto, two to two in the ninth. Uh, the runner on third, though, with one out. Now first and third for the Yankees with a one out bottom of the ninth to get a chance to walk it off uh, against the Blue Jays. Uh, obviously, the Yankees very good. The Blue Jays are real like a fun team. Kind of like the Unis. They were real sharp today, too, uh, Toronto. So we'll keep you posted on some um, Major League Baseball here on opening day. Always an exciting day. It's just this romanticism with, with baseball. I mean, you got, you got a little field of dreams kind of going through you blood today. Saw some quotes. It's a good way to get things going here in April with the Major League Baseball season. I know a lot of people don't like one all 162 and they don't sit there and baseball fans, it's different and we're a football world. I get it. But there still is something about opening day in Major League Baseball that feels a lot different than than so many other sports, uh, which I appreciate. There's still nothing like shock your mock either. So let's get it rolling. What to expect here on a Thursday, April 1st, April Fool's Day in shock your mock season. Let's bring it, Coos. He is none other than the shock master. Yesterday we had a nice little ASMR, um, I guess we would call it a pre-production, a, a run-through, a walk-through, if you will. Um, I got some good feedback on it. People were a little confused by it, and that's okay. We're going to go a little more of a traditional Shock Your Mock today for all the fools out there on April Fools. And this is a special Shock Your Mock because a fool had to come up with this one because we're going to at J Hopkins BGS, or just call him John Hopkins. Or better yet, we call him Johnny Hopkins. And if you know anything about Johnny Hopkins, hangs out with Sloan Kettering. And you know what they do? I'm, I can't really announce it on the airwaves. The coos. If you've seen Step Brothers, you know what I'm talking about. Brent, this might be out of your wheelhouse. Don't yeah, worry is. about it. I thought you were going to go lo- talk lacrosse or something. Nope. John nope. Hopkins. It was John Hopkins and it was Sloan Kettering. So with that being said, let's get into it, coos. We got it up. Boom. Thumbs up. <laughs> you just... I mean, that's got to be a sticker or a T-shirt. Just Kuz's thumb up, like, in the side. All I can see is a thumb. Like, he doesn't say we're good to go. All we got uh, is a thumb up. Like, so, we need another Kuz T-shirt. Exactly. So let's go to it. Uh, we got Johnny Hopkins hanging out with Sloan Kettering. And we got, what does he say here? Give Trevor everything with a flex. And then that one emoji that seems to give Brent a lot of fits. But I think we explained what that means. Can't obviously talk about it on the air. But one of those emojis, let's just say. The, the, the emoji, emoji. The, the Brent emoji or the emoji of satisfaction, let's just call it. So let's get into it. Number one, Trevor Lawrence. All right. I mean, hey, 
Listen, Brent's been to his hometown. I got beef with his mayor. Uh, Brent went to Clemson and chilled in the parking lot for a little bit. But I still don't get tired of talking about Trevor Lawrence at number one. Off to a fantastic start. Number eight, Kyle Pitts. Now, Brent. We have the eighth pick in the draft. Well, hang on. I'm getting to it, Brent. Okay, one step at a time. Got to walk before you can crawl. So you know how I feel about Kyle Pitts? I want Kyle Pitts on the Jacksonville Jaguars. And somehow, John Hopkins, with the help of Sloan Kettering, actually got it done, and he got Kyle Pitts with number eight. But here's the problem with it. Are you watching this, Brent? Do you see what's happening right now? Or would I have to explain this to you in terms of what's happening on the screen? I see what's happening, but we can't assume everybody else can see it on the screen. That's a dang good point. So what happened here, in order to get Kyle Pitts at number eight, the Jacksonville Jaguars traded with the Carolina Panthers. They traded their 25th pick and their 33rd pick and somehow moved up, I don't know, I'm not good at math, 13 spots to get the eighth pick. In what world are we living in? where you give up a, a team because of the top 10 pick, and then they move back to 25, all for a second rounder. Who did this? What, what is this draft? Is this PFF again, Coos? Do we know this? No, that was, this, was that the one that's uh, sponsored by ASW? So PFF, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So once again, ASW is, in terms of being powered by something, some of the best power you're ever going to find. Powered by lies. Frank, Frank, Tom, hey, it's not AWS's fault that PFF doesn't know what the heck they're talking about. Because power that calculator, by the way, 25 to 8 is 17. Yeah, man. Okay, (laughs) fine, Brent. Hey, this is shock your math, not shock your, your math capabilities. Okay, I'm not good at math. We've been over this many times. So with that being said, in what world are we living in where this trade happens? Okay, this is an April Fool's joke, if I've ever seen an April Fool's joke. So, okay, great. Kyle Pitts, number eight. Not going to happen. All right, let's keep on going, though. Pick number 45, because we, I guess, you know, we traded 33 and 25 for Kyle Pitts, because that makes a lot of sense. So now we're getting Kyle, uh, we're getting Travis Etienne. Pick number 45. Okay, but once again... And if this is a pro football focus thing, this is a John Hopkins thing, I don't know whose thing this is, but there's no way that Travis Etienne is going to drop the pick number 45. You don't think so? No. Absolutely. Everyone's got him going first round right now. So once again, let's let's go ahead and put on our rosy-colored glasses because we're in sunshine and rainbows land right now. I have no idea what's going on. You have a better shot of creating a time machine, going back in time, grabbing Barry Sanders from college, and bringing him back right now. There's a better shot of that than Travis Etienne falling at pick number 45. Oh, Johnny Hop over here had the uh, had that emoji, man, and some special things can happen with that emoji. Yeah, you're not lying. I, I think Johnny Hopkins needs to be drug tested because I picked number 65. We got Ronnie Perkins, Edge out of Oklahoma. Now, yeah, Ronnie Perkins, uh, I'm intrigued. He's definitely a prototypical 3-4 outside linebacker. He's got the speed. He's got the size. Got the athleticism. But once again... Todd McShay has uh, Ronnie Perkins going number 36 right now, and and most draft websites do. There's no way this guy is going to drop in the third round. Just not going to happen. So, Brent, I don't know how to handle this situation right now because we're in fantasy land. Honestly, once again, you probably got a better shot of making a time machine, going back in time, taking Lawrence Taylor, bringing him to the future, kind of like Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, and having him play for the Jaguars. That's more likely than Ronnie Perkins last until 65. 
let me ask you this. What's mo- the least likely of the three moves he made after Trevor Lawrence? A trade for Kyle Pitts for giving up 25 and 33 alone. Travis Etienne available at 45. And by the way, a lot of people don't like Etienne for the Jags. I kind of do. And I know it's the simple Trevor Lawrence Etienne thing. But anyway, we'll talk about that later down the road. Mm. Or Ronnie Perkins going at 65. What's the least likeliest thing of the three sunshine and rainbows Brent emoji thing that we just saw? The least likeliest thing is that ProFootballFocus.com is going to last another year um, on the interwebs. There's no way when 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 you're okaying trades and when you're giving grades to these kind of draft picks, th- th- there's no way. Like Pro Football Focus, once again, I say this all the time. We have lawyers on retainer, and I'm gonna send one in your direction because you're insulting everyone's intelligence right now, and we should be compensated. This is an absolutely ridiculous mock draft. But uh, to answer your question, though, the Kyle Pitts trade. All right, let's move on. What do you think? Uh, I would say so, too. First of all, I think it's just so unrealistic that the Jags move up to Pitts. I also think if you are going to get Pitts, you might have to be at 6. Yeah. So stop thinking 10. Stop thinking 12. Stop thinking 8. You have to get to 6 right now, and that still might not get him. So and, and which so if you really wanted Pitts, okay, let's just say the Jets really they're willing to sell the farm and get Pitts. Well, it's going to be a draft night trade because you have to see where you fall. Like Atlanta could take him, Cincinnati could take him, Miami's definitely take him in, in my opinion. So anything after six, you're starting to get outside of Pitts even territory uh, when you do these mock drafts. And I just don't think that compensation's enough. But I also just think it's really unrealistic that the Jags will end up trading up to get Pitts. Yeah, and regardless of when this mock draft w- was, you know, put out, whether it was a month ago, whether it was two months ago, whether it was the start of college football season, whether it was the Mayans chiseling it on the wall, there's no way it's going to shake out like this. But let's keep on going, you know, because we're, uh, we must move forward. It's what we do on Shock Your Mock. So now we got another trade. We got another trade alert here. Uh, the Jaguars received pick number 80. 80- uh, I'm sorry, do we have a trade alert button? You said trade alert. I don't know. I just. Felt right. Did, did we have a trade alert button? <laughs> well, no, but, you know. Okay, see, now I'm taking my feet off the desk because now I'm upset. <laughs> hey, Coos. You said oh, trade man. alert. I need Coos. an alert. Coos yeah. is wrapped up in the emoji. Coos, yeah, apparently. Coos, I'm going to tell you right now, there's got to be a different trade alert button. We, we can't have the <laughs> same button for the trades and then the draft needs. People are going to be far too confused on Shock Your Mock. Coos, you have to understand here, I'm trying to build a brand. Okay, like I'm trying to put food on my family's table and shock your mock is doing that right now. It's not really. I don't have an endorsement from it, but AWS, check that out. So much power. The best power. I sound like Donald Trump right now. It's I I know power. I have one of the highest power cleans in Murray State history. So I know power. AWS. Get it. Now, with that being said, pick number 84, the Jaguars trade 106, 170. 249. It's a draft trade alert. Cues, don't touch that button again before I flip out. So this guy here in John Hopkins, Brent, he's taking it upon himself. He's going after a draft need. A draft need alert. Hit, I swear, hit the button. <laughs> you kidding me right now? Are you, are, are, you, are you kidding me right now? Is this like some kind of April Fool's thing? No, no, what, I didn't what, know we you upset Austin? It. Is that kind of April Fool's thing? Well, I thought we made that the trade alert button, so I didn't want to, like, confuse people. When did I say we're going to make it the trade alert button, though, huh? Well, that's what I thought huh? happened right there. Mm-hmm. 
Okay. What were, I don't know. Whatever, man. Yeah, you're, you're Moxman shock. I'm done. I, I can't even finish this because no one's on the same page right now. Brent has so much wind in the background. I can't even hear what I'm saying. Coos doesn't really care about the buttons anymore. Whatever. Okay, let's finish it up. So, Jamie and Sherwood, we gave up three draft picks to get him at pick number 84. Safety. Draft need alert. Coos hit the button. Wow, wow, wow. That's how the show is supposed to operate. You're almost acting like it's the first time we've done the shock your mock, Coos. But with that being said, here. Jamie and Sherwood, not bad. Okay, safety addresses the position, draft need, but oh, wait a second. Oh, wait a second. Somebody did their due diligence today, and some looked in a little uh, to see what Jamie and Sherwood's all about. Guy runs a 4-7. Guy ran a 4-7-5 at his pro day. <sighs> Guy ran a 4-7-5 at his pro day when everyone's running 4-4s and 4-3s and 4-2s, maybe 4-1s. Austin, S- what did you run again? Sky ran a 4. 4-7-9? I, I ran a – thank you, Brent. No, I mean, I, I ran like a 4-8 electronically timed at the combine, you know, with like three scoops of Jack 3D, so that didn't help me out at all either. So I had a lot of things counting against me. So, it, hey, Jacksonville, if you want to save yourself some money, just give me a call, and I'll play safety for you and run a 4-8. Okay, so I'm not the biggest fan of this Jamie and Sherwood pick at pick number 84 of all you gave up for him for a guy that, once again, and I'm taking a bigger sip, ran a 4.75 at his pro day. Not at the combine. He ran a 4.75 at his pro day. Pick 130. We got Israel Mumakamu, uh, corner South Carolina. Pick 145, Milton Williams, uh, Louisiana Tech, defensive line. Overall, PFF says the Jacksonville Jaguars, they, they have an A- minus here um, out of the grades. So you know what that means? If Pro Football Focus says that, excuse me, if Pro Football Focus says that it's good, it's bad, and I say it's bad because this mock draft makes zero sense. This is a fantasy. This is kangaroo court. This would never happen in a million years. I feel like you just threw this out there to fool me. Congratulations. You got your, you, got your, you know, everyone's laughing at me now because I feel like a fool. Maybe you'll get a T-shirt. Maybe you won't. I don't know. Maybe we'll send you a T-shirt. Ha-ha, April Fool's Day. How do you feel about that one, John Hopkins? Hey, uh, here's a little trivia question. Last defensive lineman taken in the draft by the Jaguars from Louisiana Tech. DeAnthony Smith, next question. Oh, very good. You played with You better have gotten that one. He was I in my draft know. class, yeah, yeah. I know it. Yeah, I know it. Just yeah, making yeah, sure. Yeah, just yeah. checking. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I say the last. I, I think that would be the last one. Yeah. Um, here's what I don't know. This is my problem with this, this uh, mock draft, and it's more about pro football focus or whoever grades these things. How does A plus, C minus, A, B plus, B plus, C plus, C, B plus, B plus, how does that all average out to A minus? I mean, you're asking me, dude. I didn't get a lot of A's growing up, so I don't, I don't know how the A's correlates. I mean, all I know is you got a lot of C's, maybe a D thrown in there. You got about a C average. You're good to go. I don't know, man. I don't either. I don't get it. Uh, that was uh, interesting. But I've got this for you. Johnny Hop with the Brent emoji. Yeah. Your mock has been shocked. Boom. And it sucks, by the way, too. <laughs> it would be tremendous, actually. Your, hey, what do you, your mock what, sucks. What do you think about uh, Travis Etienne? Seriously. like uh, tw- I'm not saying 25, uh, yeah. but 33. Say for some reason he was available at 45. Or if the Jags wanted to jump back in and maybe at like 36 or something like that. You know, you can move and shake a little. Uh, Etienne, I understand James Robinson, right? I get it. Uh, do you, though? It, yeah, I get it. But does he offer you enough different than James to add a dynamic nature to your, your backfield? And worth that kind of investment. You're talking about Travis Etienne. 
Yeah. 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 I, I mean, a guy that had, you know, 48 catches last year um, shows that, you know, he's more than capable of being a receiver out of the backfield. I think he does. But I also think if you take a guy that high, there's expectations to at least split time, if not be the starter. You know, um, at least that's how I feel. I feel like if you take a running back in the second round, you know, you're you're probably he's getting the playing time. And I'm not ready to to, to sell out James Robinson yet. Um, I think that if you want to make ETN okay, the the third down back, then so be it. But then, how much value are you getting from a third down back that you took in the second round? I don't know. It could be up for debate. Let me ask you this, and I, I get the value question, uh, but you got to remember now, you got a bevy of picks, okay? So you can kind of, you want value in every pick, but you, you don't have to go by the book so much when you have this many picks, and, and you're really trying to get more talent, talent, talent. Is he enough of a compliment to the style of, of James Robinson and, and like a Carlos Hyde, in your opinion? You're because talking... you want the third down back, right? You well, want that course. third down yeah, scat yeah, back, yeah, receiving yeah. back, quick guy. Like, is ETN enough of that uh, to to fulfill that? It, you know, say, let's just say they got lucky again. Like, if I don't think anybody would complain if they got like Travis ETN at 45. I think people at 25 and 33 are like, really, do you need that? I get, but at 45, to what you were saying, even in this mock, is like, hey, okay, that's that'd be a heck of that seems like pretty good value, yeah. you know, uh, to get him there. So really just ask from a style standpoint, from a Daryl Bevel standpoint, how would he fit? You know, I mean, would it be a nice compliment? I think anytime you have a guy that can run a 4-3-4-4 at the running back position, yeah, that's going to be a dynamic, different change of pace than James Robinson is. So is he enough? I believe so. All right. Yeah, I was just curious about that. Um, Todd McShay did a uh, mock draft, Mm. a uh, two-rounder, and the two-round... Mock draft presents four picks for the Jacksonville Jaguars. And at number 25 on the mock draft, if I can find this right, it was the offensive lineman, right? Did you see this today? Yeah, we got from Oklahoma State. Yeah. Uh, Tevin. Tevin? Tevin? I don't have him in front of me. Robinson? Yeah. Anyway, offensive line, you don't like that at 25, do you? Not necessarily, unless he's going to be a starter. Yeah, and that's not going to be the case. Yeah. So I want to go through the first four picks because it shades a certain side of the ball. And at least you like the concept of that, if not all the players Mm -hmm. that he took in this. Let's head to McShay's uh, mock draft. I think it's like mock draft 4.0. Jaguars have four picks in that two-round mock draft. We'll talk about that. Football at five on the way. An update on some of the baseball scores. Major League Baseball opening day. We're at a diamond down here in St. Johns County. Bartram Trail. Creekside playing tonight in some high school baseball. We'll be back. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. We'll get a sip of water, Austin. Recover from Shock Your Mock. Appreciate it.